All right, people of Hope, how are you? <laughs> hey, if we haven't met before, my name is Scott, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are all thrilled that you're here. You're looking good. Just want you to know that. We're kicking off a series, and as we just begin, let me ask you, what is your favorite season of the year? Favorite season of the year? of the year. Well, because I have the mic, I'll start. I heard some of you say, like, I heard winter. Let's have a word of prayer for those people right now. Winter has, winter has about 10 good days. And it's at the beginning of the season, and it goes downhill from there. Winter begins near the end of December, and of course, Christmas and New Year's, it's magical, and some people like a white Christmas. I I like a siesta key white Christmas. It's about 10 days, and then you, then you have to get through January. And, and if you're from the frozen wasteland of the north, February is like forever. February is about six months in itself. Winter is not my favorite. Fall. Fall is good for about 10 days. There's 10 good days of the fall, and, and for those days to be good, the weather has to be almost perfect. It has to be cold nights and warm days, and it turns the leaves magically into that beautiful, you know, that fall scenery for about a week. And then the leaves fall off the tree, hence the name of the season. It's all about falling. The leaves fall off the trees, and there's nothing really that attractive about a naked tree. No, it doesn't do it for me. Spring, spring is okay. Spring is okay because it's leading us to summer. And, 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 and the nicest part of spring is like the days just before summer. That's the nicest part of spring. And then you get to my personal favorite of the year, summer. This is, look, just do, do a study with, like, go to, like, travel brochures. Pictures on travel brochures are summer pictures. Sometimes, some, sometimes there's, like, a weird winter one. Mostly summer pictures. Because humanity was born to live in a garden, and in the Garden of Eden it was summer. So, so my season has to be right, because it's biblical. We're, we're talking during this series about the best summer, and I know some of you have had incredible summers, and, and please let me remind you, even though school is starting tomorrow, and we're praying for teachers and administrators, homeschoolers, however kids are getting education, let me just, even though school is starting this week it's not fall. Do not let go of summer. It is still summer until the 23rd of September. Hold on to summer, people. How many remember when, when uh, we used to follow God's plan and school started after Labor Day? This is why, like, I was, you remember growing, no school made summer a magical season. The fresh, 
smell of cut grass, the long summer evenings, no school. Oh, summer. And, and this is why with the, just God has been so gracious in, in my life for the last 24 years to bring me to a state where we have endless summer. I was with someone uh, about two weeks ago, and they said, how long have you lived in Sarasota? I said, 20, 24 years. And they said, do you miss the seasons? I said, no. I said, in Sarasota, we have four seasons. Their eyes got wide. I said, we have a beautiful season, awesome season, fabulous season, and outstanding season. I love all of them. I love all my seasons that I have here. The best summer ever, and, and, and maybe you had, uh, some of us, have had, I've seen your Facebook, and it's been a great summer. Some not so great. Some this summer has been tough. So how can we do a series called The Best Summer if you've been through a tough season? And the secret is in the next line. Living your life to the fullest. And here's the secret of living a full life. It's being filled with the one who gives life. If you get that truth through this series, that life's joy, life's abundance, life's fullness comes no matter what kind of season you're in, you can have the best summer, fall, winter, spring, and season. It comes from what is filling you. And I want to talk about various passions, and today I want to talk about a very important passion, the passion for God's presence. If you have a fullness and a passion for God's presence, it will make every season of your life a fulfilling season. And as we talk about this, I want you to come with me uh, into the Scriptures and to the Holy Land. Hebrews, I mean, Luke chapter 10, Jesus is on his way towards Jerusalem, um, he's going there for the uh, festival of dedication. We would know it as Hanukkah. It's in the latter part of the year. And uh, he's on his way. He, he stops just outside Jerusalem in a town called Bethany. And they didn't have, um, they didn't have uh, Marriott's or Hilton's or Motel 6, 8, 12, 24. So you stayed with friends. So he comes into Bethany and he stays with his friends. Uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived in a house, and he stops in that house. And he's there in the living area. He's sitting down, and Mary is right at his feet. She's listening to every word Jesus is saying. She's hanging on every word. She's absorbing his message. Martha is not in the room. She's in the kitchen. And you can hear her in the kitchen. You can hear the clash of pots and pans. In fact, the longer she's in the kitchen, you can hear a louder clashing of pots and pans. She's trying to send a signal up from the kitchen with the use of pots and pans. She's, she's banging them together in aggravation because her upset level is growing and it finally explodes back into the room where her sister is and she is upset with her sister and she says, there's a problem here. Mary, you should be in the kitchen helping me, and you're in this room, and Jesus, please tell Mary to come into the kitchen, because it wasn't that Martha was doing something unethical or even unbiblical. Jesus traveled with 12 guys. 
and to feed them took a lot of work. So it's not that Martha was doing something unethical or unkind. She was actually doing something loving. But Jesus says to Martha, he has to call her two times, Martha, and if you ever talk to somebody who's upset, sometimes you have to say it twice. Martha, I was always in trouble when my kids had to call, my, my parents called twice, Scott, Scott. So he calls twice, Martha, Martha, you are worried about a lot of things. You're upset. We can see that about a lot of things. But there's one thing that's important, and Mary has chosen the right thing. I'd like you to make the choice that Mary made, not the choice that Martha made. I'd like you to be free today from the Martha syndrome. A few things I want to point out about this story. One is you can be in the presence of the Lord and miss him. You can be under the roof. Martha was under the roof. The Lord was right there, and she missed him. We see the contrast of the two sisters. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, and she's listening to everything he says. She is absorbing the words of Jesus. Martha, watch this. Martha was, what's that word? <laughs> distracted. If you're taking notes, and God will bless you if you take notes, and you will get a bigger mansion in heaven. Circle, underline, or highlight distracted. And let me ask you this, because it's possible. Get this. It's very possible for you to be under the roof. The Lord can be present, and I promise you the Lord is present. He says, whenever two or three of you get together in my name, I'm there. It's possible to be under the roof and miss his presence. It's possible to do religious things and miss the, 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 the whole reason for religion. You can come in, you can sing the songs, you can read the scriptures off the, off the screen, you can listen to Scott. I, I wish you would, would stop listening to Scott, actually, and start listening to Jesus. I always remind you that my voice is not the most important voice in this room. His voice is. We're under the roof. Let's not miss his presence because it's possible to miss him, to be that close and miss him and miss what he has to say. Second thing I just want to point out is this, that when you miss his presence, there are symptoms. There are symptoms of missing the most important thing in this service. Jesus says, hey, one thing's really important, my presence. And people connecting with my presence. Coming to this church is not about connecting to the church of hope. It's not about connecting to the pastor. What I would like is for every single person that's here to connect to God. And that's his invitation. And if you're not connecting, here, here are the symptoms. When you have a cold, there are symptoms. You sneeze, your eyes get red and runny. If you got the, uh, the flu, you, there's symptoms. You have a high temperature, you ache all over. And if you're disconnected, if you're not connected to the full presence of Christ as he is in this place, there are symptoms. And here are a few of them that come from this story. Worry. Worry is a symptom of not being connected to the presence of God. Being upset. Right? 
Martha, Jesus speaks, Martha. He doesn't get her the first time. Martha! Because she's raped. She's raped. My Mary, you got my Mary. Martha, Martha! You are worried and upset about many things. Worry is a symptom of being disconnected from the presence of God. Because when you're disconnected from the presence of God, all you have for your resource is your wisdom, your strength, and basically all of us know we need help. We know. I'm facing things this week. I have things in front of me, both opportunities and opposition, that I don't have the resources in myself to meet. And you worry because you're resting in your resources. When you're connected to God, you're resting in His resources, and connecting to God eliminates worry. Eliminates it. Upset. Just do a check. When you get upset, it is a symptom, as sure as sneezing that you're disconnected from the presence of God. I wish you were like a police car. When a police car is upset, it lets everybody know. If you go by a police car at 100 miles an hour on I-75, it upsets the police. Not that I have any personal knowledge of this. But my assistant, Karen Bird, does. She was here last night. I didn't say that. I can prove to you I didn't say it because it won't be on the tape when you listen to it. <laughs> they got, and here, when a police car becomes upset, what happens? The lights and the siren. <laughs> Oh, that's an air raid siren, sorry. If you're in France, we do, we do, we do, we do. Yeah, the guy from Police Academy has nothing on me. You've got to be a little older to get that one. I wish that when you get upset, a light would go on over your head. I wish when you got upset, the alarm would go. I wish you would, because it would tell you it would be a warning. It's a symptom. You're not connected to the presence of Christ. That's why you're upset. Here, here's another one. I, I didn't write it down. It's bonus material. If you're taking notes, you'll get it. If not, you'll miss it. Well, look at this symptom. Being critical of others is a symptom of not being connected to the presence of God. Right? What, what, did, what did Martha do? She came in and she was upset and she starts to criticize her sister Mary. She's full of criticism. And I want you to know, please, Bible students, those who are following the message, please pay attention to Mary's response to her upset sister. What, what is it? Let, let's pretend I'm talking to you. What is Mary's response 
to her upset sister. Very important. Get this. What is Mary's response to her upset sister? Someone said it. I heard it. Her response. When her sister comes in, see, upset people like you to join them in their jacuzzi of upsetness. They're trying to pull you in to the waters that are troubled. But Mary is so in touch with the presence of Jesus, her sister's upsetness doesn't even faze her. She doesn't get pulled into her sister's upsetness because she's in constant contact with Jesus, and she doesn't say a thing. She doesn't say anything. She lets Jesus do the talking, which is much better to do when you get upset. Or I guess it's better not even to get upset. That's my point. Upsetness, worry, criticism are part of not connecting to the presence of God. It's the Martha syndrome, and it has symptoms. It's possible to be in the house but miss him. Jesus says, connecting with the presence of God is the most important thing to happen in this room today. The most important. It's not being impressed with a a speaker. I hope that we're communicating, but it's not to be impressed with what goes on with musicianship, and we have incredible musicians. It's not to be distracted by all this. The most important thing that happens in this room is to connect with the presence of Almighty God, to look beyond this. Jesus says, one thing is important, and Mary has chosen that thing. She chose to lock in to the words of Jesus, to listen to what he was saying. And that one thing, when that one thing is right, everything in your life will come into divine order. Everything in your life will be blessed. If you get this right, if this passion is in your heart, this will be the best summer you've ever had, no matter what's happening outside, because you have the one thing right. What did Jesus say when he was teaching one time? He said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom, the presence, the the righteousness of God. And when you get that right, when you put him first, when, when the most important person you would meet in this service is not Scott or your friends. And it's okay to meet Scott. I hope you do. It's okay to meet your friends, but if you meet everyone else in this room and don't meet Jesus, you have missed the reason that we've gathered together, and you've missed the one thing that will change your life. We are here to meet with him. And when we come in, it's got to be a passion. So we have an opportunity when the body of Christ gathers together, which is different than individually meeting him. You can meet Jesus in your prayer closet. That's a beautiful thing. But we have an opportunity when the body of Christ gathers, when we get together to experience his presence, and it should be what we desire when we come here. I want his presence. God, deliver us from the Martha syndrome. And that happens through these things. Let me just say a few ways of getting delivered or living in the presence of God or practicing the presence of God. Let me give you a few things that help us. One is to just be uh, aware that God's presence is constantly 
always available. That you can't go anywhere, into any circumstance, into any job place. You can, you can go. There are some evil places. Those of you that, policemen know this. Because I'll talk to them. They'll say, Pastor, we will go into a location and literally, tangibly feel evil. They exist. But in the most evil place you can go in this world, God's presence is available for you in that place. You can't run from his... Some of you have been trying to run from God, and you can't. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 139. He asked some rhetorical questions. He says, where can I go from your spirit? The answer is nowhere. Where can I flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. If I go up into the heavens, or let me say it like this, if I am having the best day of my life, and I hope you haven't had it yet, not an amen in the house, but don't you want to have a better day? Have you burned up your best day? I hope you haven't had the best. I've had some great days, but I'm ready for some better ones. And on the best day of my life, you are there. Now get this contrasting truth. If I make my bed in the depths, on the worst day of your life, and I hope you've already had it, on the worst day of your life, you are there. If this summer has been tough, he is still available. If I go to the far side of the sea, if I get on the wings and I go as far as I can, your hand is always with me. You cannot get away from the presence of God. We have friends that we talked to a few days ago, husband and wife, and since we talked to them, the husband unexpectedly and and suddenly, without real warning, was taken from this world into the next world. That's a tough day. But what does the psalmist say? Even when I walk in the Psalm 23, even when I walk through the very valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. If you're in a tough season, I want you to know if the enemy comes and he cruelly lies to people when they're going through tough times and says, God has abandoned you, and that's a lie. I just want you to know God's presence is available to you today no matter what path you're on. He is with you. Yeah, come on, we can, come on, we can affirm that. We can. We can affirm that together. Thank you, Lord. I also want to point this out. I want to point out that God's presence is personal, and it's important because sometimes God's presence gets to be a force or uh, particularly a feeling. Some people say, well, that was a good service because I felt the presence of God. Or that service, I, I didn't feel the presence of God. It was a good one, and it's based on a feeling, and I want you to know God's presence is not a feeling. God's presence is a person. Now, that will generate some feelings, but when you understand personal relationship, it helps a lot. Here's how Jesus, uh, the night before he was to be uh, taken on his journey towards the cross, he's teaching his friends and his disciples and us as we read these words, he's teaching us about the presence of the Holy Spirit that we are going to need desperately. The presence of God, 
manifest through the Holy Spirit. And notice the personal pronouns he uses, talking about his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. But when he, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive and he will make it known to you. Do you get he, he It's a person, not an it. Now that's important because when we're talking about the presence of God, we're talking about being with a person. How many of you have at least one personal relationship? Please look at those who didn't raise their hands and put them on your prayer list. You have a personal relationship. You're a married couple, so that's good, isn't it? Thank God for that answer. And, and, and there, there are moments in a personal relationship of incredible joy. Have you ever laughed so hard that your belly hurt? You ever had that experience? If you did that all the time, it would kill you. I wanted you to get this. In relationships, and because God's presence is a personal relationship, there are moments of ecstasy and joy. There are moments of weeping. When Darla, sweet Darla Joy, came down the aisle and I was standing at the altar to marry her, I cried like a baby. Not because I was sad. I was overjoyed. I cried so hard that my mother got up from the audience and brought me tissue to the altar. True. overwhelmed with emotion. But I've been living with that girl for 35 years now. And there are moments of incredible, okay. I'm happy. <laughs> okay, those of you are happy that we've been married for 35 years, get it out of your system. Thank you, thank you, it's okay. <laughs> My point is, in 35 years, there are, there's moments of ecstasy and joy. But there's a lot of moments of peace. In a relationship, the presence of God, as you seek the presence of God, as you live in the presence of God, there are moments I stand over there in my place of worship when we are worshiping and I cry, strong emotion. There are moments I just stand in beautiful peace. doesn't mean God is not with me. I, I love, I, I hope you have them. I love the woo. Moments with God. I love them. Don't you? Have you had them? If you haven't, they're, they should be part. Like any personal relationship should have, woo! Moments. But if everything was, woo! It would kill you. You can't, you can't burn RPMs running red line all day, 24 hours a day. I'm here to just remind you that the presence of God is a personal presence and there's a lot of peace. You go, and just peace. Oh, I didn't feel anything. Peace. Were you upset? No. Well, maybe you had peace. Were you angry? No. Maybe you had peace. His relationship is primarily a relationship of peace. So as you're seeking, don't seek for the experience. Don't seek for the feeling. 
Seek for a relationship with a person because God's presence is personal. And the last thing I just want to say is this, that it has to be pursued. Now, we know God is everywhere. We know you can be under the roof and miss his presence. Martha, Martha didn't pursue the presence. She was busy doing something, but she was distracted from the one thing that was important. She didn't pursue the presence. And basically, we know that God is in this room. True or true? For those of us that have opened our hearts already to the presence of Christ, he dwells in us. That's a beautiful thing. The Bible calls you a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a beautiful thing. But there is a moment that the indwelling presence of God and the omnipresence of God, which is everywhere, manifests. And that doesn't happen by accident. That happens with intentionally pursuing the presence of God. That comes with the psalmist who said, as the deer pants for the waters, so I long after you. That comes from the Old Testament prophets who said these words. You read them, seeking the face of God. To seek the face of God is to seek the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the face was the presence. The hand of God was the power of God. And it never tells us anywhere in the Old Testament to seek the hand of God or the power of of God, but it calls us to seek the face of God. And when you seek the face of God, the power of God will show up. That was just a, I just laid a lot out there right there. I hope I, I can't say it again, but it was, it was anointed. I felt that. I'll have to go back and listen to that portion. When God's presence manifests, there will be incredible love. Let me say it like this. In this room, you cannot see it, but in this room, in the air, there is moisture. I know that because we are running machinery right now to take moisture out of the air. If you go outside the building, we have hoses coming out of the building that are removing your moisture from our air. How many are thankful for air conditioning? Okay, maybe like this. How many of you have heard of something called humidity? Humidity is moisture that's in the air. How many have seen a cloud? You know what a cloud is? It is moisture in the air. The cycle is this. Moisture evaporates, there is evaporation, there is condensation, there is precipitation. And how many know there's a difference from looking at a cloud and knowing, oh yeah, there's moisture up there, and that moisture manifesting and landing on your head? There's a difference, right? So this is the presence of God. Yeah, we know the presence of God is in this room. Yes, we know there's an indwelling presence, but there is a reigning presence of God that comes to those who seek his face. It comes. And it's not by accident. It's when you understand, oh God, I am pursuing precipitation. 
So here's why. There is a change. So the water comes up. It condenses. It condenses because there is a change in atmosphere. The weather gets cooler. In fact, when two storm systems hit, there's thunder and there's lightning because there's lots of precipitation because one atmosphere is taking over another atmosphere. And when you pursue the presence of God, you are ready for that change in atmosphere that will bring the reigning presence of God in that moment into your life. And when I'm talking about raining, I'm, I'm just not talking about raining. Let me talk about the reigning presence of the king, where he is in charge, where you know he is there, where love increases, where demons shake and flee, and your life receives his presence. And what does water do? Water causes you to grow. Water softens your hard heart. Water changes things because the atmosphere is changing. The rain comes. And I'm ready for some rain in the house today. Here's how James says it. James talks about a change in atmosphere. Submit yourself to God. That's a change. We're going to call on you to pray in a moment. In our prayer, we will submit ourselves to God. It's a change in atmosphere. Resist the devil. That's a change in atmosphere. And he's going to flee from you. Draw near to God. These are actions that we take. Draw near to God. And I promise you, God will come running to you. The story of the prodigal. When the presence of the father saw the prodigal walking towards him, the father ran to the prodigal. And God will come running to you. Draw near to God, and here's the promise. He will draw near to you. God wants you to be in his presence. This is the whole reason that Jesus came. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were in his presence, and he loved it. He lo That's why he created humanity, so they would be in his presence. Then because of rebellion and sin, there was a barrier that was created between us and God, and Jesus came to the earth to demolish that barrier. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. I am going to prepare a place for you, so what? So that you can be with me. With me. When the man was hanging beside Jesus on the cross, a thief who did not deserve to be in God's presence whatsoever, he's an indication that none of us really deserve to be in his presence, but Jesus wants us so much to be in his presence that the man prays a very poor prayer, remember me, but that was enough. Jesus looks into his eyes, and he wants that thief to be in his presence. So what does he say to him? Today, you'll be with me, with me, with me, with me in paradise. That was a Persian term. The word paradise was for a garden. The kings had a paradise. It was the king's garden. And if you were a friend of the king, you became a friend of the garden, which means when the king walked in the garden, you could walk with the king. He's bringing us back to what we experienced in Eden. He would like this summer, he would like this day to be a day of incredible fullness where you seek his face, you experience the manifest presence of God, and you are never the same again because of it. Let the church say amen. 
We're going to stand together for prayer, if you'd be so kind, to close your eyes and open your heart. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come and just get ready to minister in the presence and in the power of God. And I promise you Jesus is in the house. And I promise you he's knocking at your heart's door because Revelation 3 tells us that. And what does he want? He wants you to open the door so he can come in and be with you. And you can be with him in his presence. The psalmist said in his presence there is fullness of joy. Worry is gone. Being upset is gone. Criticism is gone. Because we're like Mary. We're connected to Christ and no one else can phase us. No circumstance can phase us because we're locked in. So here's a prayer we're going to pray, and I invite you to pray it with all the people around you. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of invitation. It's a prayer of receiving the presence of God into our hearts and into our lives. And Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. So I'd like everyone to pray it. God loves to hear your voice. We pray it together as a community prayer, a declaration of our faith together. And we lift our voice together and we say with all of our friends around us, out loud, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I open my heart, my soul, my life to Jesus Christ. I turn away from my sins. I leave them behind. And I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your grace, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy. Thank you for giving me another chance. I receive it today. I'm going to follow Jesus every day of my life to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 amen. Yes, we can affirm that wonderful prayer. Let's look this way for a moment. Our team is here. If you're making a, a decision for the first time or it could be for the first time, maybe you've been under the roof a lot but missed out on his presence. And your faith needs to be renewed today. You need to come back into his presence, back into that close relationship. Our team is here to pray with you and for you. We just want to help your faith grow. That's what we're here for. They're also here to pray for whatever needs you have, spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, relational. Jesus is the king over all circumstances, and there's a miracle in the house, and we'd like you to receive it. And that's why we pray. Why do we pray together? Because the Bible says when two or three people get together, his presence comes in a miraculous way. And we'd love to pray over you. While people are receiving prayer, if you'd like to remember Jesus in Holy Communion, there's a station on the right-hand side and the left-hand side. You can come forward and receive the bread and cup of the Lord. Please keep your minds on Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church, just a friend and follower of Jesus to receive communion. What you're doing is giving a testimony to what we've been talking about. You take the bread and take from the cup and you put it in you. You're saying, we're together. Jesus, we're in this together. 
So in a moment, people are going to come and receive prayer. You are more than welcome to receive prayer. If you've been here as a guest, a first-time friend, or you've been here for a while, you're new to hope, welcome, welcome, welcome. We want to see God do everything He desires to do. We want to see you live a life of incredible fulfillment. If you're new to hope and you've never taken the time to stop by our VIP room, please do that. This is your day to do that. It's back on the left-hand side. We'd like to give you some gifts. We'd like to answer any questions. Just get to know you. We'd like to invite you back. You're more than welcome. No pressure. Just prayers. We want to see God do everything He has for your life. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. After that blessing, there's no other benediction. There's just prayer. There's communion. The worship team will lead us. If you want to worship, you'll go with God's grace. But I pray you'll walk out of here with a hunger for His presence. Not religion. Not the form of faith with no power. Not religion without relationship, but a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. So I pray this prayer blessing. I'm going to open my hands towards heaven. If you'd like to receive this blessing, I'll encourage you to close your eyes so no one is distracted or embarrassed. But this is a Bible way of praying. The Bible says, lift up your hands as you pray. So Lord, here are your sons and your daughters outwardly reaching out, but inwardly the cry of their heart is to meet with you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit come upon them now. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Manifest the presence of God. Come and manifest the presence of God in this room. Do unusual things. Do supernatural things. Do miraculous things. Be with our prayer team. Come upon them right now, God, in a powerful way. May they minister under the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God. Bless our communion, the bread and cup of the Lord. We receive it with great joy. Bless our worship. I pray that the Lord would bless and keep you, that the God of hope would be with you, that you would be filled with incredible joy and incredible peace. I pray that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very, very blessed. And all of God's people say together, amen. Give the Lord just an ovation of praise. We love you, Lord.